This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 629 with Jen Kem. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 629. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Jennifer Kem is a San Francisco Bay Area-based brand building and leadership expert who gets entrepreneurs seen, heard, and paid for being themselves. She's the creator of the Master Brand Method, a framework to develop powerful brand archetypes that win customers' hearts, leveraging Jennifer's 20 years of corporate experience and her launching of multiple companies. What she's most passionate about in her work today is her legacy project, FemFluence, a platform that supports women leaders to fully rise into their influence and affluence so they can make an even greater impact on the world. Jennifer serves up straight talk wrapped in love because she understands entrepreneurs' challenges. She built a retail business and became a millionaire at 32, only to lose it all in the recession two years later. She's now the successful owner of $3 million brand building businesses and the mother of three children. I've had the opportunity to overlap with Jen a few times in business groups over the last couple of years, and she is a force. I finally got to meet her a few months ago and decided to ask her to be a guest on the show. And I was elated when she said yes, because I know she has such a compelling story. So listen in to hear Jen share her experience of going through a violating event in her corporate career that changed the trajectory of her work and her life, how she went from having it all to losing it all to building it all again, all on her own terms as she navigated being a wife and mom, what happened when she built and then lost a $10 million a year business. 
what it means to be values driven and why it's crucial to know your values in life and work, how your values can guide you to make confident and clean decisions and how to find and define your values by clarifying your voids and violations. Oh, this is a juicy conversation. Jen lets us dig deep into her story and into her journey. And there are so many little nuggets in here that have big impact in terms of how you can look at your life, how you can make decisions, how you really can show up in a way to be values driven in your work, values driven in the legacy that you're building, values driven in the way that you are raising a family, all the good stuff. I know you're going to learn something. I know you're going to take some notes. You might even need a tissue because you might tear up a few times. So please help me in welcoming Jen Kem to the Shameless Mom Academy. Jen, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm super excited to have you here. Sarah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this will be fun. We got to meet in person in Seattle and like, I don't know if it was this for you, but for me, it was like the first event I'd been to since COVID started with like entrepreneurs. And it was so fun to meet someone who I'd seen in the online space for so long and get to like say hi in person. And it felt like magic after two years. I felt the same. And I'm a big, what I call belly to belly person, meaning Mm. I love live events. I'm an introvert posing as an extrovert. I like to say, and I like intimate conversations and it was really cool. It was kind of awkward because we haven't, we don't know how to act in social situations as much as we used to, but it was such a delight to meet you as well in person. Mm. Cause I've been, it's cool to meet your web friends, right? Your online, your social friends. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. That's funny. The awkwardness because I did that event that was like 15 or 20 people. And then a few weeks later, I went to a podcasting conference that was hundreds of people. Mm. And in both situations, I was like, how do we do this again? (laughs) (laughs) And in the, especially the podcast one, I was like, if I put on a mask, like, I kind of just feel like I can be invisible for a minute. Cause I'm not used to being around so many people. Like, it's like, yes. it's actually a little bit comforting to just be like, I'm just hiding over here, like mask on corner table, because it felt it's a lot to reintegrate. I am with you. I'm with you. It is absolutely. Yeah. Good stuff though. Okay. So I want you to tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. Yeah. I mean, that was a great intro, by the way. Thank you so much. And I think one of the things that you know, has really influenced my life as both a mom, a business owner, a woman is growing up in a tiny little town in the countryside of Oahu in Hawaii. And I grew up in a town where I like to tell people on one hand, I'm so proud of it. If you were in my house right now, you would see how much I've like paid homage to my growing up town because my grandparents were immigrants from the Philippines and worked really hard to get here so that they could create a life for me. And well, I wasn't around when they came, but the future me and then my own children, et cetera. And so I grew up in a very culturally diverse Filipino household of immigrants who worked in the plantations, specifically Mm -hmm. sugar and pineapple. And so on one hand, I love those roots. And I think that it's really informed the way that I parent and the way that I just do life. And on the flip side of it, I call it the dark side of it. I truly felt like a complete fish out of water, an alien. I used to tell God like, okay, God, so why did you instruct the aliens to drop me off specifically here? Because (laughs) I don't know. Gosh, I don't relate to the people there because I always had these like really big global dreams and I don't know where I got it. That's why I would say it was like came from the aliens or something because not that my family was 
particularly closed minded or anything, but definitely when you grew up in an Asian household, there are directives to kind of like lead by super hard work ethic, you know, become a nurse, by the way, not even a doctor, because Mm. women were nurses and men were doctors kind of idea, or go work for the government. And none of those things I could ever do, because I can't stand blood. And I can't even imagine working for the government. I think bad things would happen if I were in <laughs> So all those roles have a lot of limitations that I feel like would stifle the gen that I see online who like thrives on not having limit on like having only having self-imposed limitations, I guess. Yes, I would say. yes. And I think that no matter what cultural background you have or where you grew up, I think what's a common for all of us that are in your words, shameless moms or aspiring to be or on the journey of being. It's about being able to honor, again, your legacy, your past, while still putting your recipe of life into it. And I think, mm, yeah. you know, beyond my personal professional life and all the things in my bio, I, that part of me is so integral to who I am and how I interact with other humans, including my own children. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things that makes me both humble as well as really driven to be my grandparents' greatest dream come true, you know? So Mm -hmm. that's what I would say a little bit beyond what people know about me. I love it. I love that. I did not know that about you. Very, very cool. Tell us what you're excited about right now. I mean, I'm just excited about, you know, even though the pandemic, you know, at the time of this recording, we're still kind of in it. We're hopefully on, hopefully, you know, (laughs) emerging from it in our own little ways. It still feels like a game of double Dutch where it's like, should I jump in? Should I jump out? Should I jump in? Should I jump out? That's such a great, and yes, that's exactly what it feels (laughs) like. like Double Dutch living. And it's always scary because when you jump back in, you feel like you're going to get whipped by the rope, you know, it's like, oh no. But at this time of this chat, I actually am excited about who I discovered, who I am now in this Mm -hmm. next season of living. You know, I'm in my mid forties. I always had a dream when I started my business that I would quote unquote retire. I mean, I don't think I really will ever retire because I don't know how to stay still, but Mm -hmm. just kind of like retire from work by 55. That was kind of my goal. And I'm less than 10 years out from that. And so the pandemic for me and this next season of life is really about leaving my knowledge, my wisdom, my words for as many people to digest as possible. Like whatever I was given in terms of skills, gifts, and talents, I want to be able to give them more freely, if you will. Mm. And so I'm in the season of really putting on the hat of full-time author and speaker instead of CEO of my business. Although I haven't fully left, but I have a plan Mm. to step down from my role as CEO of the companies that I lead and really just focus on writing books and speaking about what you know, what my life has looked like. And also obviously like specific frameworks and, and, and ta- uh, tangible things that people can take to support them in their life and their career. So that's what I'm excited about. I'm right in the goo of it. Meaning like, you know, when you're emerging as a butterfly, there's a period where the caterpillar has to completely dissolve. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's where I'm, I'm, I'm in the goo of it. But as a caterpillar, I knew I was going to emerges this butterfly that looks like this. Yeah. And so I'm putting on my author pants, I like to say, I and I love writing a book. And uh, yeah, so I'm excited about that right now. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. So you're talking about being in this phase of transition in that sticky part, and you are not someone who has like shied away from transition. Well, I don't, maybe you have shied away from it, but you aren't, you definitely aren't someone who hasn't gone throughout through your fair share of transition. So you have the story of building 
something big and losing it all and then building again. And that's a lot. So can you take us through what that process looked like over the course of your life? And I have to say, when I was reading your bio and reading a little bit about this, I was really intrigued because we're going to go back to, I think, 2008, 2009. And I went through a similar, like building something and then being like, oh, this is crumbling beneath me. And what now? And that's a moment. And for me, that was in my, I think I was just about 30. That's a moment in one's life for sure. So can you tell us a little bit about that journey for you? I'm so grateful to even hear from another woman. And I think there are a lot of us who have been through this that has been through that. Cause it's like, it truly is. It's, I call it a catalyst moment. It was a big and it was also catalytic, like yeah. in terms of felt like a tsunami had taken over my life. And it actually did. But basically, you know, I was a corporate executive, you know, for the beginning of my career. And I worked in marketing. My last job was the head of business to business marketing for Verizon West. And I never thought, Sarah, that I was going to be an entrepreneur. That wasn't a vision of mine growing up, nor even in the corporate world. I actually thought one day I'm going to be the CEO of Google or some other high tech company. Oh, wow. Like, like someone else's thing. Right. And I really thought because men were running high tech companies, generally speaking, and there weren't a lot of women in the C-suite. And I really had a vision that I would be one of those, I'll call it shameless executives yeah. <laughs> that just so happened to have, you know, a vagina, you know, like running the show. And yeah. Which well, I love this vision. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I still believe we need more of that, right? Yeah, and I think yeah. back to, I always say to people when I talk about being an entrepreneur and a business owner that this isn't the most glamorous thing in the world. This is actually, I think, a lot harder than having a career in corporate. It's just that you're dealing with different dynamics and you have to think about yourself. And I think we're going to get into how I shifted from it. But anyway, bottom line is what I call a violating event happened to me in the corporate world whereby I got passed over for a promotion that I had been promised. And I had worked my buns off to get this promotion for two years, worked 60 plus hours a week. My two daughters at the time were in elementary and going into middle school. And I basically didn't see them for two years. It felt like at least in a meaningful way, you know, I was just making sure they got dropped out at school, making sure that they got fed, but mainly working on weekends for someone else. And with this promise of, okay, you're going to get your corner office and your disco ball. Cause that's kind of the vision I had. It was like, I'm going to have this big corner office with an amazing view at disco ball. And, um, <laughs> oh <my gosh>. and <laughs> so good. So anyway, the two years go by and I like to, people have said about me, I don't know if your listeners will resonate with this metaphor, but people have said about me that I'm like the Olivia Pope of whatever's mm. going on. So in the corporate world, I would get called in for the crappiest projects, the projects that needed to be resuscitated and where teams were disjointed. And I was really good at rallying teams and staying focused for the team. And so this particular project really was hardcore. This was back in 2006. So I want to take everybody back. I always tell people I'm not a spring chicken. I'm a seasoned chicken. So like <laughs> all the way back there, we were launching at Verizon, the predecessor to what is now mainstream TV, which is really like, you know, Netflix streaming services, right? I was launching streaming services back then when wow. it was baby idea. Netflix mm -hmm. was still sending DVDs. Yeah. I was going to say that's when we had our Netflix subscription and my husband would get like three DVDs a month. Yes. And I thought it was super weird. Like we were just dating. And I was like, this is just weird. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Can't I mean, we got a blockbuster. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. We still had a blockbuster in Hawaii. <laughs> Awesome. That was like Friday night ritual, you know? Yeah. Um, so anyway, I worked my buns off for this promotion and successfully launched 
what we call internet protocol TV and is now IPTV is now streaming. Anyway, it was hardcore. And when I emerged from it, instead of getting promoted, the counterpart in the company got the promotion when he didn't have to do anything. I actually, yeah, in fact, this is a business to consumer product and I was the head of business to business. And so I took his job for two years just to do this special project. And then he got the promotion and it's because he was spending all of his time playing golf with our boss on the weekends while I was not paying attention Mm -hmm. to my kids and my light in the office building was on, you know, at night. And here's the cool thing. So I just want everybody to know this. I always tell people it wasn't his fault that this happened. I mean, he wasn't rallying to take that promotion. To be honest with you, we're still friends. And I got to tell you that he is so jealous of me. It's awesome. <laughs> listening to this, he will tell you it's true. He's like, oh my God, like I'm still a corporate drone. And here you are, you know, you have autonomy and freedom. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I like to say like, I still work as hard, but I work for me and yeah. work better and for different reasons. And so anyway, that was a big moment. And I, I left the corporate world, I made a nine month plan to exit my job because I didn't want to burn bridges. And I also needed to save some money because I decided I was going to start my own company. And it's interesting because the company I started was an underwear company. Um, oh my gosh, I did not know. Yeah. And what's crazy is people are like, oh, did you have this background in underwear? I said, besides the fact that I wore it <laughs> grudgingly, especially the bra thing, because I have a gift of what we call smelling the money. Like people mm. tell me, I'm like, I can smell the money. I can, I have a lot of insight and foresight to where a market's going to monetize. And Mm -hmm. I lived in Hawaii at the time. And in Hawaii, the only place women could buy underwear was Walmart. And this girl was not buying underwear at Walmart. Mm -hmm. We didn't have a Nordstrom or Macy's at the time, if you can believe it in 2006. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um, And so I was flying to Dallas a lot for business. And on the way back, when we'd land at the airport, I would notice that every single woman on the plane had a carry on. And so did I and it was a pink and white striped bags was a Victoria's Secret mm-hmm. bag. And that's when the light bulb went on. I was like, oh yeah, I'll start retail concept and sell underwear because you know people have to fly off this island to get underwear. And because I could smell the money and I had a good idea when I opened my first store and I also want to say, Sarah, I didn't have these global dreams to compete with Victoria's Secret. I wasn't like, okay, yeah, I'm going to be like, whatever. I was really thinking, I just want to replace my income because at the time, people would have said I was crazy to leave. I was making $400,000 a year. I had a parking spot with my name on it, which is actually a big deal. Okay. Yeah. And I had a corner office. I didn't have the top floor corner office, but I had a corner office with a view of the ocean. Okay. I, and so for me, it was crazy to think, okay, why would I leave that? But it was because I realized that my values were being violated and I needed to try this. So I did in 2000, late 2006, I opened my first store. It's crazy because 18 months later, we were already doing $10 million in sales. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. 
I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. So wait, where was the store? What was it? One store on one of the islands? It was one store, and I had an e-commerce component, okay. which at the time was very radical, if yeah. you will. Like, and people were not buying underwear online in two thousand. This was two thousand six, correct? Like that, it, they very were. ingenious. Yeah, and I also did live models in my windows, which was like the shiz. Like people oh loved it, and so for me, because I build brands for a living, I'm an expert at launching new ideas. It was like. For me, it felt like riding a bike, like, okay, I just need to apply what I knew in the corporate world, selling really boring things like Mm -hmm. cloud services and modems (laughs) to (laughs) underwear, right? It was really interesting. So I always tell people today, one takeaway is like, it doesn't matter if it's modems or bras, the strategies are similar. You just have to have the right message and voice Mm -hmm. on what you're doing. And so anyway, $10 million e-commerce sales. And then I had opened up by that point, two other stores. And I was growing and I started to see the opportunity to really scale this thing. But I was exhausted, just like I was in the corporate world, except for it was mine, at least, mm-hmm. right? And, and then all of a sudden, the media started calling me an understylist, like I got featured. And then wow. Oprah did her big show because Oprah still had a show at the time on yeah. TV. And she did two features. One oh. was oh my on Nordstrom bra fitting. Some of you guys might remember that. And it was a big deal. And I was the only person in Hawaii that did bra fitting. Okay. Oh Number gosh. two, I was the first person to bring Spanx to Hawaii. And she featured Sarah Blakely, which was her big yeah. hit. Yeah. And so these like this perfect storm. But I want you guys to realize if you're listening that as fast as I was growing, this was 2006. You might remember that 2008 was coming. It was Mm -hmm. like almost like a train running off a track. And when you're growing really fast, and one of my skills at the time wasn't operations and finance. I was okay at it. You know what I mean? But it wasn't my area of expertise. And I was so focused on building the brand and growing the business that I didn't listen to my financial advisors who told me, you know, we need to kind of you know, push the brakes a little bit here. Um, You know, this is a high volume, high inventory, high employee business, right? And something's happening in the markets and we need to slow down. And I was bullish and was like, no, we got to keep pressing the gas. And this, you know, I was 32 at the time. So I was just excited to have something that was working. So I have one of those stories that like, some people start businesses and they fail right away. I had like massive success. And then two years later, everything went away. So basically- you know, 2008 comes, I started to notice people weren't coming into the stores, but I still kind of was betting on me. And I was running out of money quick, because it's again, it's a high volume business, but it's a low profit business, Mm. right? And then you got to deal with employees that Mm -hmm. are, you know, mainly 
frankly, younger, you know, they're, it's kind of like a side job for them. Like there was just a lot to manage. Right. Yeah. And so anyway, in 2008, when the recession hit hard, I mean, entire car companies went out of business. Mm -hmm. I mean, anybody remember Saturn or Hummer? I mean, they're yeah. gone, right? The entire Plymouth brand went away. If you're not going to buy a car, you're not going to buy $30 underwear. You know, it's not the same as like Louis Vuitton, who did very well, because ultra luxury does well in any economy, right? Mm. But mid luxury does not, it gets mm. pummeled. And so I lost it all. And I not only lost it all, I lost my personal credit, my house, oh my, uh, my marriage, and I was functionally homeless. I talked about at the top that my grandparents immigrated from the Philippines. And thank God my grandmother, her house, she still had her house when I lost mine, and she let me live with her. But six months after moving in, after I lost everything, she died. And she was like the most important person in my life. In fact, she mm. still is to this day, my model for humanity. <laughs> like she's just like mm. the most amazing human. And so it was a really rough patch, you know, late 2008, 2009, I was at my worst ever moment. And then what happened was, if you can imagine this, Sarah, you got to meet me a little bit mm -hmm. and we know each other on the internet and social media, but I used to sit on my grandma's rocking chair outside and just watch the cars go by and she lives in the country. So not a lot of cars go by. <laughs> okay. And I would sit there and just watch the cars go by. I wasn't eating. I had gotten to like 95 pounds. People thought I was on meth, but I wasn't, but they thought I was. They, I mean, I was just becoming this sunken hollow of a human. And I remember at the time, and I still always, when I tell this part of the story, I get a little choked up because it's so pivotal. My 10 year old daughter, Michaela, who is now 25, came out and I was on the rocking chair. These kids were eating, eating ramen and whatever they could like warm up because I was hollowed out. And she came and she tapped me on the shoulder. And I remember looking up at her and I said, yes. And she said, mommy, you're a gen chem. It's time to wake up now. Wow. And that moment still to this day, I tell this story a lot and I still get a little choked up because it was so powerful how this mm -hmm. young person who was watching her mother descend from somebody who was really confident, somebody who was really, you know, successful to somebody who like, I just lost my entire identity because of what had happened. And yeah. she woke me up and I swear to you, it felt like a physical jolt that came through my body and my spine got straighter. Mm -hmm. And that moment was the moment I decided I was going to get back out there again. And I did like literally the next day, I literally walked the streets of what we call Bishop and Alakea in Hawaii. Those are like the downtown district. Mm -hmm. And I knocked on doors. Literally, I, I tapped back into my old network. And finally, I realized the easiest way for me to get back into the game was to call my old boss and say, I'd like my job back. But I realized, Sarah, that I really didn't want my job back because I'd gotten the taste of autonomy and freedom. And I also mm -hmm. realized when I was in the Bay, I mean, when I was in the corporate world, the people that made the most money were the consultants that got paid to come in. And when my yeah. boss was thrilled, I was available and said, please come back. I said, I'll come back, but I'll come back as a consultant. Yes. <laughs> and that's kind of the beginning of what my company has done over the last 10 years, which is services and consulting and education. And now I have the same business in terms of like revenue and more, but way more profitable. And I have my life back. And so I know that was a long story. I apologize for it being so long. No, but oh my gosh. Thank you so much for, I mean, that was an incredible story. So don't apologize for any of it at all. That was amazing. Mm -hmm. And 
there's so many pieces of that story where I think we can see ourselves and any mom can see themselves in a parallel moment or situation that might've been very different, but had similar tenor to it or similar emotion to it or similar Mm -hmm. fears or worries. And so that was really, really generous of you to share all that. I want you to tell us a little bit about values or talk to us a little bit about values. I know that you talk a lot about being values driven and it's a huge part of your brand. And I want you to share, if you could talk, share about what values are. And then, cause maybe some of us need some clarification and I'm sure you talk about this in a really unique way, but then also why are values important to have in life and business? And we have a mix of business owners and non-business owners listening. So I think kind of making it across the board for the way that we live our lives, whether or not we're building businesses. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You know, I am obsessed with people understanding their values because I realize that that I realized that that was the missing or the unknown or the mysterious thing that made me recover from these moments. Because people asked me, you know, how did you do it? How did you recover from it? How do you bounce back? How do you not lose your confidence? How can you be a more present mom? I've been asked all of that. Because one of my proudest things is that my two daughters, Michaela and Jordan, are good humans and they still like me. And to mm-hmm. me, that's a win. To me, that's like totally. the biggest win. Yep. Like you've already, there's, you don't need to win anything else in life. Right. Exactly. It's kind of like, and they also know their mom's not perfect. And they certainly witnessed that time in my life where I just felt like everything was imploding. And I really believe I was unable to mother those mm-hmm. couple years and they coped and they've had therapy around it. And I've had therapy, but yet we're still close and they still like me. And it's just really cool. And here's my point. Cause you asked about values is I didn't know how I had done it. I became obsessed with how did I do it? And how do other people who have been through stuff do it? Right. And if you're listening, you've been through stuff, as Sarah said, in some kind of way, you've been through these catalyst moments and you've made some Phoenix moves. I like to say, you know, you've yeah. emerged from the fire. And I got obsessed, Sarah, with what really drives people to overcome anything, even if it's a tiny thing, like even if you're scared about a tiny thing, like hitting your live stream button to share what you do or ask, you know, have a vulnerable conversation with your spouse, whatever it is, right? It comes out to values because I'm a brand futurist and I can see things that are going to happen in the market pretty easily. But I also realized in studying that the most successful founders of businesses are values driven. Now I coined the term values driven because I realized that they are making decisions based on their values and not making decisions on other people's values, just their own. And whether you agree with their values or not, it doesn't matter. It's that they are specifically doing it. So the definition of values to me is the set of principles by which you live your life by And it's also where you spend your time and your energy. These are the priorities of your life, whether you like it or not, whether these values reflect what you want to, you desire to have it, that's regardless of the fact that your values are your values. And I realized that successful people, and when I say successful, I'm not just talking about financially. In fact, I think financial success is the least important metric of success. You know, it's nice because we have to make a living, but it's more important to be happy and joyful and that the, that the relationships that you have are fruitful and deep, right? And in fact, right. we know that when we end our life here, the number one thing people 
wish for is that the relationships in their life were better. That's actually studied and, and a fact. Yeah. And so for me, I just became obsessed because I wanted to understand it for myself because I wanted to be prepared to Sarah, that if I ever had to face that again, that it wasn't just the story that I was hanging on to, but I knew why so that I could get it. Cause we are going to always have highs and lows in our careers and our lives. And so how do we deal with that? So anyway, that's what values are. And when we know them, we get to link those values to our desired state. So let's say I want to learn the piano, right? But I have no time to learn the piano. But the reason I want to learn the piano is because I want to interact with my, my daughter more because she loves the piano. Let's pretend that's the reason I want to do it. But I have no time. Part of when you know your values, you can link your actions even if they're scary or you feel like you have no time for it to your values, if you really know what they are. But most people think they know their values and they actually don't. They think they have, they call values the things that they want and your values are not what you want. Your values are who you are. And then the key to getting what you want is to link those values to those desired states. So that's what values mean to me. I love that. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness, and I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. We've done some core value work in our community here. And one of the things I always talk about is like, once you can identify your values, they can become this filter through which you make decisions. And so you're, I love your example of around the piano, because when you're trying to figure out like, okay, I know I want to learn the piano to have quality time with my daughter. And then when I have to make a decision around, like, what am I going to do with my time from six to 7 PM tonight? Well, if my value is quality time with my daughter, then clearly I'm picking that over like getting in some extra work or going and doing a workout or whatever the thing might be, because now I have this filter through which I can like see where, how I would want to prioritize that time in a really clear way. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I mean, a filter is exactly what values give you to make what I call 
confident and clean decisions. Mm -hmm. I use the word clean because they really mean they're clean. Because sometimes your decision is you realize that piano is not the route you want to spend with your daughter. And that's a clean decision. You can Mm -hmm. find another way to make that link happen, but you've decided, okay, well, the other mom is doing piano with her daughter. So I should, it's like, okay, maybe, but if you still can't get yourself self-motivated to do it, there's something that's not aligned and you can make a clean decision to have that discussion. What's another way that you could do it. Both sides are not wrong, but you need to be clean about it, whatever that decision is. Um, And I think that's why I like, I don't believe in maybe anymore. And some people are say, well, you know, is it so binary to be yes or no? And I actually, yes, I do believe that from a, we are already decision fatigued and oh my God, during the (laughs) pandemic, oh Lord, right? Yeah. So I really believe maybe is the devil. (laughs) Yeah. You know, because you're just sitting in indecision, which is like so much energy. (laughs) Yes. It's actually way easier, even if it's scarier to say yes or no. Than right. it is to say maybe because maybe just keeps you stuck and static. And when you live and even by if your values, yes or no is wrong, like yes, you pick one and it's you're like, oh crap, that was totally the wrong one. But then you there's still energy behind like, okay, so now I have to flip this or make this other decision or figure something else out, which is still better than sitting in should I, shouldn't I, maybe like exactly. where there's just like no energy. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And it's, and I, by the way, I am a recovering maybe person. So I just want to acknowledge that. And I still am tempted to maybe myself. Okay. But my values are a great filter and barometer for, and keep me accountable and in integrity with myself. And when I'm in integrity myself, I can be a better model for other people, including my children. Right. And so to me, this is the best work I can do on myself. And it's actually the easiest in my mind, because there's a lot of things, obviously I'm big on investing in personal growth, development, leadership. I always have been, whether I was in the corporate world or an entrepreneur, but this particular value system, values-driven system that I use on myself and with my clients, it's like, just helps me make cleaner decisions that make my life feel a lot easier and more streamlined, even when it's hard. How do I love that? And I totally agree. How can people find and define their values? Mm -hmm. So let's just talk about really quickly the, my particular framework of being, you know, values driven, and it's based on three parts. So the first part, a lot of people talk about when it comes to values, and that's your vision. So your vision for your life, right? Your career is part of your life. So I still like to say it's just the vision of your life. And that is your future self, right? It's the you that you see yourself at. In the future, I always say like, I have one boss and she's me in the future. That's who my boss is. Okay. She's the person who's looking back at me and saying, Jen, did you make the hard decisions to create a legacy life for yourself? Right. Did you live your value? So that's your vision piece. The second piece is listing what your voids are. So your voids are things in your present life that you perceive are missing. Okay. So we all have voids. Like that piano example is like, that mother thinks the void is she doesn't know piano, okay? Or she doesn't know how to play the piano. So she would list that as a void. But there are other things like, gosh, I always wanted to be a Broadway star or, oh, you know, I wish I could be a Dr. Phil one day, <laughs> right, Sarah? <laughs> Whatever it is, or, or sit in Oprah's backyard, right, in Santa Barbara. But some voids are even like, you know what? I never got to get closure on that conversation with a friend that I lost touch with. These are all voids, okay? So I tell people, list seven voids in your life right now. That's your present self. 
that you feel are missing. They may not be missing, but you still perceive them as missing. So there's no judgment here. Just list them. Okay. The third part of knowing what your values are is your violations, the violations of your life. So there's vision. There's These voids. words are so powerful. The voids and the violations. Yes. Oh and my gosh. The violations are listing, frankly, where we have residue and trauma in our lives. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because this one, the trauma one could probably be the most tender. I mean, I'm sorry, the violations one. And by the way, it doesn't have to be a big T trauma, but it could be absolutely yeah. want to honor that. But like the perfect example, if you've been listening to us up to this point was my values were violated in 2006 when I got passed up for that promotion. Yeah. I actually wanted to go, I didn't, I forgot, but I actually wanted to go back Yeah, when you, when you met, as soon as you said that, like i like paw, I was like, oh, she chose that word or that phrase having a violating event that yes. I wrote it down. I was like, oh, that's a really intentional use of words. And so I'm glad you mentioned that again. So go yeah, ahead. <laughs> yeah. And so I realized in the study of values and the study of how it actually can make us the most successful person that we want to be and again, success, meaning whatever those metrics are for you. Right. I listed and realized that one of the violating events in my life was I got passed up for this promotion, but guess what? What did it uncover for me? I have the life I have now because that happened, but let's say it didn't happen. And I did become CEO of Google. I might've liked that life too. I don't know. But what I do know is it was a violating moment that helps me make better decisions about what I want to do going forward. Right? So when you, and that is your past self. So your future self is your vision. Your present self is your voids your violations are your past self. And when you take a look at those things, you start to realize the next part of the process. And obviously like this is a, like an entire workshop, but if I were saying like the next part of the process is to ask yourself, where are you spending your time, your energy and your money the most? Okay. That's another clarifying question. And you list that, right? And you have to be honest because even if you would, it's not about, would you like to spend your time on this? Mm-hmm. Or would you like to spend your money on this? It's like, where are you actually doing it? Because that's going to tell you where your values are. And then the third thing you do at that point is take that in front of you. I like to do this values work once a year at the end of the year to really reset and see if my values are still true. So the third part is you start to put words around those things. So you do kind of a brainstorm around words that would support Hey, like, let's say I spend all my time reading, like, or a lot of my free time reading. Well, learning might be one of my values, right? I'm going to put the word down learning. I'm going to put the word down growing, right? Hey, I love, you know, I actually love working with clients. I enjoy it a lot. And I put down like leadership, uh, mentorship, Mm -hmm. right? All those words. And then obviously, if I spend time with my family, family is typically a value of a lot of moms. Mm -hmm. But I also say like, don't be embarrassed if it's not your top value, because that's okay. At the end of the day, I mean, that was a big thing for me. And when I did this values exercise on myself, and by the way, this framework I came up with by all these different inputs, like when I was in the corporate world, I'm in charge of brand strategy. So people talk about brand values, right? Branding and marketing are the study of human consumption. So it's psychology, right? So for me, it was like studying humans. And I realized, okay, why did I leave the corporate world with that violating event? And that violating event was, I thought that my top value was ambition, to be honest with you, because it showed up, right? I, again, I worked really hard for that promotion. And I realized that actually, yes, at the time it was because all the evidence showed that it was, but the value, the future me, what I really desired was not ambition. I desired autonomy. Mm. And that's why I made that decision. 
And autonomy is still my top value today as a result of that. And it's the number one filter by which I make decisions. If an opportunity violates my autonomy, it's a clean no. Yeah. And it's made my life so much sexier, simpler, and peaceful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's super helpful to see. Like, yeah, that example of autonomy is like really clear and you can Mm -hmm. see, I can see like that tracking back to 2006 and seeing like how that showed up and how you thought it was ambition and then how you carry that today. It's really powerful to see all that. I love it. What is the most practical piece of advice that a listener can use right now to become values driven instead of only being results driven, especially as a mom? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, I hope even as you're listening to this podcast, you might have to listen to this last part that Sarah and I just discussed over again, right? Yes, I know. know, There's a lot of good nuggets in here. (laughs) Right. And I, 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 this particular framework, right. Mm -hmm. Of being values driven, doing the exercise that I just mentioned to List seven things that your future self wants, which is your vision. List seven things that are voids that you perceive or are truly missing in your life. Those are your current self, right? And then do seven things that are past self violations that have made you who you are today, okay? And then answer the questions that I just mentioned, which is where are you spending your most time, energy, and money? Give yourself a time study for three weeks, and just list it kind of like, and then a lot of us don't like doing that. Right. But I will tell oh, you, I just recently did one for two days and it just made me really angry. <laughs> oh, I, right. And that's good because I always say like healthy agitation is what makes us move. Right. Oh, I hate doing time oh, studies. Girl, and I was supposed to do I'm like a week you. or two long one. And I was like, I will do two days. Yes. <laughs> I'm with you. So but here's angry. the thing, like notice it's violating your values to do it. And the question is why, right? Oh, because that's such a good question. Tension. I always tell people to like, whatever people talk about resistance and I'm like, it's not about resistance. We're not resisting anything. We're resenting something. So whenever I'm resisting something, I ask myself, why am I resisting this? Is because what am I really resenting? And that's speaking to your values. Okay. And if you can name what you're resenting as a result of the action you have to take, you at least become aware and awareness is critical to make changes in your life. Right. Mm. So that you're not some zombie just going through life and letting life do you instead of you doing life. So to answer your question back to like, instead of saying or creating goals even around like, hey, I would like to make more money and whatever that number is. Instead, ask yourself, how does making this money support my values? So that's how you create a real values-driven goal versus a results-driven goal. It's going to change everything. In fact, one of my goals for the future, as I said, as I was going into the next season, is I want to shift the way companies track their employees. Because when employees are values-driven in alignment with the company's values, they're going to be joyful at work. They're going to give their best. And they're going to go home and be happy people too. Right. And right now- It's going to yield great results for the company. Yield great results. And there are, if they adopt this way, it doesn't, and I hope everybody's noticing that this isn't about taking away- financial goals, right? Or metrics that matter, but it's the way that you approach them and link them to the right things that's going to create more joy and ease. So I would, to answer your question, is like, do the exercise I kind of laid out verbally Mm -hmm. and, you know, and it'll open your eyes to things that you never saw before at the minimum, but it might get you also really pumped for what you want to create in the future. I love that. How old are your kids now? 25, 20, and eight. Okay. Yeah. I knew you had one younger and a little boy, right? Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So I have a nine-year-old. Oh my goodness. So what is the, and 
I'm going to guess this is on purpose, but I see you as a really intentional legacy builder. And I was making an assumption when I was putting together this, the questions for this conversation. And now as we've been talking, I'm like, oh yeah, definitely an intentional legacy builder. (laughs) So can you talk a little bit about the legacy that you're building at this stage in your life and what you want your kids to carry forward? Yeah. I I should also say like your kids granted to our adults, but what you want them to carry with them as well. Yeah. I mean, I love it. Cause like, again, we're Filipino. So like my babies are like my babies till I even still talk to them with this weird voice and they love it. They dig it. My, they love it. And it's very cultural for us to be very handsy, meaning like we just always hugging lots of just physical like touch and like hanging out and like all that stuff. So anyway, legacy. So legacy is one of my top five values. So Mm. autonomy is my top value. So let me tell you what my five values are. Autonomy, justice, generosity, leadership, and legacy. And these are not just words. These have descriptions. And that's another little tip for you. When you develop your values, they're not just words. You have to actually define them so that also when you communicate them, that people know what you mean. So it's like, oh, I can easily say justice is one of my values, but I define justice as, you know, the ability for everyone to win, regardless of what their circumstances are, and that our company and me personally will always make decisions based on what's just, not just what's right. And that's our definition. And so we live by that because the definition is really the filter, not the word, right? So legacy being one of my values is my definition of legacy is leaving the world better, not just than I was in it, but also that legacy is not a future state. Legacy is not waiting for the future to happen. It's creating legacy every single day now. Mm -hmm. That's part of our definition of legacy in my personal life as well as my professional life. And so how I see that going is that along the way, I've, you have all heard my story or a part of my story where in a lot of ways, I felt so much shame. This is the shameless moms podcast. (laughs) I felt crippling shame around that season of my life where I just was a vacant mom. That's the best way to describe me. You know, I was my entire identity of being a professional woman and ambitious woman was separate from being a mother. And so it was like at home, I felt like I had to be mom, wife, all those things. And then at work, I basically had to pretend I didn't have kids. They knew I had kids, but you know what I mean? It's kind of like I had to wear two different identities. And in becoming values-driven, and legacy being one of my top values, now it's like, there is no separation of church and state, right? I am a mom. I am a woman. I am a leader. I am a boss. I am an advocate. You know, I am all those things. And that recipe that is me is perfect, beautiful, and imperfect and ugly. Okay. It's all of it. And what I want my kids to learn and what I've tried to teach my daughters after that, first of all, I mentioned, I mean, first thing I did when I started making money again, was like, got us all therapy. Like when I could afford it was like, Hey, we need to process this. And we need to, (laughs) I didn't want to leave them to process it on their own as they grew. Even though I had, when I was a kid, I never had therapy. I never, you know, I didn't have those tools. And so one of the things that I did was important to me was like that and putting no shame around it. Like, Hey, even if there was a point where I needed medication to get through my depression and communicating that. Right. And still to this day, That's the thing is we communicate that to each other. And I'm no longer an ashamed mom. I am a total shameless mom now. And I'm hoping that that will model for my daughters as 
strong, independent, now women, which I'm still in denial of, that whatever they choose for their life, you know, they will like it. Because again, I mean, it's so crazy because kids now, and I, they are my kids, so I'm calling them kids, dang it. They've told me actually they're not interested in having children. And I got to tell you, it's devastating to me. Like as a Filipino mom, girl, I was mm. like, oh no, we need to have some babies in here, right? <laughs> yeah. But the new me or the evolved me or the values driven me is like, you know what? That's their recipe. Mm. I secretly hope they change their mind. And I have learned that my legacy is to continue to allow everyone I care for to be themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's not easy because we have all these past things that inform our behavior and belief systems. But I just try to be a values-driven mom. And that to me, the more I'm a values-driven mom, wife, leader, boss, therefore I'm making a legacy now so that they, not just me, can be my grandmother's greatest dream you know, whatever that looks like. And obviously my son too, I'm trying to raise, you know, a strong feminist boy who, you know, like really understands how freaking lucky he is because he certainly has a more evolved mom, a wiser mom, you know, <laughs> than my daughter's uh, had. And, and so that's the legacy I want to leave. And I, as I mentioned up at the top, I'm really excited about really moving into the author and speaker identity so that I can share this message and help people become more of themselves because I think I that's the greatest it. gift that I can, yeah. I can give. You kind of just answered some of this, but my final question is in what ways are you currently showing up as a shameless mom? And you just mm. gave us some really powerful examples, but is there anything that you want to add to that in terms of the season in life and how you're showing up as a shameless mom? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the main thing I want to express is that I am 100% me. And I actually believe that there's a difference between authenticity and transparency. And I think it gets interchanged with this Ooh. social media world that we live in. Yeah, I don't believe we have to share everything about our lives to be authentic. Mm. I believe that we have to get in touch with our values so that we can express ourselves in the most value-driven way, which to me is authenticity. Being transparent doesn't give us trophies. And it, sometimes it's not useful for the people around us. And that there are places for us to process shame and vulnerability, and it doesn't have to be our kids all the time, maybe mm -hmm. sometimes to be vulnerable to our kids. But now, I mean, again, I have a full-time therapist. I have, you know, all the things so that I can be shameless and also responsible for how I express myself to my family and to the world. And I really believe that that is something that has made me wear that badge of shameless mom mm -hmm. much more confidently now. I love it. Can you tell people where they can find you, how they can connect with you, how they can follow you, all the good stuff? Yeah. So first of all, I really love two places the most in terms of conversation. That's Instagram in my DMs. So you can find me at jennifer.chem over there. I love having conversations because you can like do little voice notes and stuff like that on Instagram. And then LinkedIn is the other place that I like to be. You can find me at Jennifer Kem, all one word. If you just put me in there, I think I'll pop up at the top, but I think you're going to list probably a lot of links of how they can yes. find me. Is that right, Sarah? Yes. Yeah. So you can check me out on any of those socials, but those are the two areas where you'll really get to interact with me. And I'd love to hear from you if any or all of this resonated. In yeah. So we will have all that linked up in the show notes. If people go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Jennifer Kem. And then, oh, I wanted to ask you, 
podcast. Tell us about your podcast because I want to make sure that we mentioned that we have that linked up in the show notes as well. Yeah. So I have a podcast that Sarah, you're like one of my models for this because you've been so consistent. You know, I launched a podcast called Femfluence Radio. That's F-E-M-M-E-F-L-U-E-N-C-E, which is basically a podcast that helps women access their most affluent and influential selves using the values-driven way. And I did it for a season and I took a break during the pandemic. And a lot of people asked me to bring it back and I have been craving these conversations. So right now there is a season up on Apple and Spotify and all the places you can listen to podcasts, but I'm gonna be renewing and going to season two starting this year. So I'm super excited for that. And if you wanna hear more about being values-driven, please come over there. Awesome. So we will have that all hooked up as well in the show notes. Oh my goodness, Jen, this has been so awesome. I'm so grateful. I appreciate you taking the time to be here, but I really appreciate the vulnerability and transparency and just showing I'm using all the words, (laughs) vulnerability, transparency, and showing up so authentically (laughs) to share your story. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. It's been really incredible. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.